All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Dan. I'm an associate pastor here. Um, it is great to see you guys. It's great to be here with you guys. Welcome if you're tuning in online as well. Uh, we're going to be starting a new series this morning, and it's going to be in 1 John. 1 John is towards the very, very back of your Bibles. There's Revelation, there's Jude, counting from the back. Revelation, Jude, and then there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And so we're going to be all the way in the back. There's Bibles underneath your seats. Or, of course, as JP mentioned, there's the Bible app. So go ahead and you can start turning there. Um, but before we get going there, you guys, I want you to repeat a word after me. Are you ready? I want you to say joy after I say it. Joy! joy. Oh, that's actually pretty good. Uh, I, I was prepping myself to probably do it again. Like, joy! Joy. Oh, okay. We're awake. We're awake. Hopefully you're awake in the chat as well. I'm impressed. Uh, thank you for doing that. Um, and so we're going to be talking about joy this morning. But before we get totally into it, you may not be in a place where you're experiencing joy. So you can't, just, you can't just say joy and speak it into existence, right? As much as I wish we could just be like, joy, yeah, joy, okay, let's go. It doesn't work like that. In fact, some of you may be experiencing a, an absence of joy. Maybe it's been a very, very long time since you've experienced any sort of sense of joy. And I'm not going to get into details, but as many of you know, I know this feeling all too well. I know the feeling of being desperate when you experience bad news. I know the feeling of sitting in hospital rooms with not much to look forward to. So wherever you are, maybe there's family dysfunction. Maybe people aren't getting along. Maybe you find yourself in a dark place personally. Maybe depression and anxiety is something very, very real for you. And this just confirms why we need to talk about joy. I'm not going to get up here and just pretend to be like, oh, joy, you guys got to like get on the bandwagon. Like you got to do it. This is all so good. It doesn't happen that quickly a lot of times. But today we are going to search for a greater joy. We are going to search for a greater joy. And here's the deal, you guys. We will find it. It's going to be up to you whether or not you want to experience it. We're going to go searching. We're going to dive into Scripture. We will find it. But it will be up to you and it's up to me whether or not we want to experience it. And so like I said, we're going to be in 1 John. We're actually going to be in chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. But we, before we get to 5 to 10, we got to talk about verses 1 through 4. And we're going to talk about a little context here. And so if you're like a brainiac and like you're a history buff, you're really, really going to love the next like five minutes here. If that like bores you, hang on. This is important stuff and we'll get to more in just a minute here. But the context is going to determine the purpose for the writing. John isn't just going, oh, like I thought about this today. He's speaking to a specific group of people for a very specific reason. And so John, as many of you guys know, was a disciple of Jesus. In fact, he self-claimed to be the most loved. 
It's important to remember that he would have written this approximately 40 to 50 years after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And so a lot has transpired since then. A lot of time has taken place, and now there's, there's rumors and wonderings on whether or not Jesus was a real person and if you should, in fact, follow him. Many of his readers would have been experiencing an identity crisis. Maybe that's how you would categorize your life today. You're like, I don't even know what's up or down anymore. Like, this last year and a half has thrown us in a tail. Like, what is going on? But he's speaking to two different people, two different believers. There's the Jewish Christians who would have been a little more conservative. Not like our politics today, but they would have been more like traditional. This is what, like, the Old Testament um, and the Pentateuch, like, this is the law, like, very, very conservative uh, in that aspect. But they would have believed in Jesus, but the temptation was to slip back into Obey, like, the law was everything. We just got to obey it. If we're a good enough person, then that's what's going to um, save us. Slipping back into Judaism, Judaism. There's also the Hellenistic Greeks, which would have been like these more progressive. And they were, they were, they were Jews or, or, or Greek people that became Jews and still believed in Jesus. But, of course, their temptation was to go, well, there's all this other stuff in the world to go follow. And they were struggling with a form of pagan religion called Gnosticism. And this is going to be up on the screen for you guys because it's important to identify this was a false teaching. This is, as, as, we, uh, as we enter the world, we leave, this, we leave this room this morning and we enter the world and there's a lot of thoughts out there on who God is, how he exists, who Jesus was. And it, does not, it will not match up with everything we will talk about today or what we would consider we believe. And so this is the same thing. Gnosticism was a false teaching. But what it highlighted is that everything physical was evil and therefore must be transcended. The physical earth, this is all evil. There's nothing good here. And this manifested itself in three different forms. Hold on. We're powering through here. The first one was called docetism. From, uh, from the Greek word to seem, which said Christ only seemed to appear in a physical form or in the body. Basically, he was more of like a spiritual ghost, but he just appeared to come here in person. He wasn't actually a real person. The next one was Serinthianism. The divine Christ would join the man Jesus at baptism, but then left before his death. Identity crisis. They didn't know what to believe. And the last one was asceticism, which again, the physical body was evil, and so therefore they treated the physical body harshly to punish it for its evil. These were not, these are not in the Bible. These were not teachings from Jesus. This is what was going on around them, which is why John wrote this letter. And so honestly, I looked at this and I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe we don't, the docetism, serinthianism, the asceticism, maybe we don't deal with these actual things. But as I thought about it, what does go on in our world today? Jesus was real, but not God. He was a real person, but he wasn't God. That can be your truth, but that's not my truth. Truth is relative, right? Or escaping physical reality. 
Sometimes our physical reality is too tough to deal with. Maybe our experience is that it does seem to be just all evil and suffering. And so we want to escape that. We want to get rid of it. We want to leave it. Is it really that different? And dare I say, John addressing the Jewish Christians and the Hellenistic Christians could be almost as divisive as addressing conservative and liberal Christians today. We believe a lot of the same, a lot of the same things about Jesus, and yet it can be so divisive. So John is encouraging unity here. Let's focus on what we know, and this is how he starts. In 1 John chapter 1, he's going to provide contrast. This and that, A and B. He's going to point to something greater, and this is what he does. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and have touched with our hands, this we proclaim concerning the word of life, or concerning Jesus. Notice that he talks specifically about what you see and what you hear and what you touch, combating this Gnosticism, combating these false teachings on him actually being a real person. Verse 2, the life appeared. We have seen it and testify it to it. We will stand at this seat and proclaim that we know this was true. It could be, we don't, we don't know this, we don't know the exact timeline, but there's a good chance that multiple disciples would have been persecuted and put to death at the time of John's writing this. doesn't matter. You don't do that for a ghost. You don't do that for a fairy tale story. We proclaim it to you, the eternal life. Continuing on, verse 2, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Three, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship, may have closeness with us. And our closeness is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The whole point of Jesus existing, coming, and being a real person was that he wants to draw you closer to himself. He wants to prove that a relationship is possible between God and humanity. And so what's the purpose? What's the purpose of all this, you guys? Verse 4. Verse 4. We write this to make our joy complete. What's the purpose of all this? What's the point? Joy. We can't just speak it into existence. But what he's about to say What we're about to dive into has one purpose, joy. So if you want to experience joy with me this morning, which as I've already mentioned to you, sometimes there's day, there's moments, maybe even long periods of time, it is so difficult to come by joy. And so I titled this morning, Searching for a greater joy. We're going to go searching. Does not come easy. If it just came easy, everyone would go do it. Everyone would be living these perfectly happy lives. Joy. Joy in our difference. 
differences, joy in our sufferings, joy in the mundane and the everyday. When life just gets cyclical and, you know, breakfast leads to lunches, which leads to kids dropping off at school, which leads to dinner, which leads to chores, which leads to work the next day, which leads to joy. Somehow experiencing joy in this. Joy when life gets difficult and messy. Joy in our differences. Why? Because it's dark. Our contrast today is light and darkness. Light and darkness. See, we're going to find that joy accompanies putting ourselves in the light rather than darkness. It's dark. It's dark out there. It's scary. Futures are unknown. It's uncertain. Could be difficult. Life might just be frustrating. You may find yourself in a dark place. Maybe you can remember back when you've been in a dark place. And so we're going to look at light and how joy accompanies the light. And so now we're going to actually, so that was actually none of our passage this morning. <laughs> so I just started, I'm just heating up, all right? First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. Go ahead and read along in your Bibles. Again, they're under the seat, or you can pull them up on your phone. First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. Again, the purpose joy. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. We claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness. We live, we lie, and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. God, we ask you for your guidance this morning. God, I pray that wherever we find ourselves, that we would come to a conclusion that we are able to experience joy. True joy, a deep-rooted joy that lasts even when life gets difficult. God, I pray that your words would encourage us this morning. And at the same time, God, I pray that each of us would leave here going Yes, this can be accomplished. We can experience this. God, we thank you for your good news and for sending your son. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is this all about? We're going to dive in here. He's talking about this contrast of light and darkness. He's asking us to walk in alignment to the source of light. Source, this idea source has really stuck out to me. The source of light, which he identifies as Jesus. But there's got to be a purpose for this metaphor. Why, why light? Why this contrast of light and darkness? Well, here's the deal. Light provides the source of many things. Light is the source of many things. And we'll put these up on the screen for you. 
First off and foremost, foremost, light guides. Light guides. Now, maybe you know this about me. Maybe you don't if you're newer here. But I grew up in a tiny, tiny town in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. Most of you probably couldn't even, you're like, Minnesota, that's like, that's east of here, right? Yep, most states are. Um, Yes, so it's in the very middle of the country, up next to Canada, all the way north. Um, But I grew up in a small town in Minnesota where, uh, surrounded by country. And as a kid, it's a dark, scary woods. So what do I do? When mom and dad say, hey, Daniel, take out the trash, please. I'm like, no, the driveway's like 300 feet long, and it's dark and scary. So what do I do? I go get a flashlight, and that guides me. You know, what was really remarkable, I, uh, I was watching this documentary, um, and it was on the earth, or like, uh, you know, animals here on earth, like at night. So all these like nocturnal animals. And I looked down at the list, and it was like, oh, the ocean at night. I'm like, oh, that's going to be terrifying. I'm going to watch that. Um, and so I started watching it, and this was, this was so crazy to me that even in the building the fabric of nature, God designed light to be the source of guidance. Sea turtles off the coast of Australia. When the, when the tide is just perfect, just high enough, it has to be at its, its highest, these large sea turtles come in over the reefs underneath them. And they come onto the beaches and they lay their eggs. And they return to the ocean, of course, and a while later, again, perfect timing, it has to be a full moon. And this is important, I'll, t- I'll get to it. But when it's a full moon, these eggs somehow know that it's time to hatch. And these eggs hatch. And what these baby sea turtles do is they look around and the reflection of the full moon on the ocean catches their eye. And that's how they know to go that direction. Rather than just scattering everywhere and scattering more inland, the light catches their eye and they go, oh my gosh, shiny lights, let's go. And they all run to the ocean. Light. It guides. Next up, it provides security. Light is security. And I don't need to explain this one very much because all we need to do is go, oh, the power goes out, and what do we do? We light candles, and we all like powwow around the candles in our living rooms. When was the last time you did that? When you had electricity. Hopefully not very often. But it's a source of security of going, oh, the dark rooms, the dark closets. You know what? We'll get to those later when the power comes back on. But this is our source of light. This is comforting for us. It provides security. Next up, it provides clarity. That which was hard to find is now illuminated. I was just at a friend's, uh, friend's house, and I was going to their garage uh, to get something. And I don't really know their house very well, and so what do I do? I open up the garage door, and it's this, like, dark space. And so I'm like, I do what any normal person does. I'm like, you know, where's the light? It's either, nope, not over here. Nope, not, not, I can't, I can't find it. I'm like, all right, first off, who doesn't put the switch right here, you know? Um, so I have to pull out my phone, and sure enough, it's, like, down here. But I could see it. Light clarifies in the darkness of going, oh, this is the direction. And lastly, provides hope. 
Seeing a distant light helps us navigate dark waters, dark places. And I can say this again, growing up in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, uh, seeing the lights of the house from a distance. Oh, there it is. Okay, I'm close now. We're getting there. There's some hope. And this is the contrast that John is going to make, you guys. Where sin and darkness discombobulate us, light provides hope, clarifies purpose, secures us, and guides us. So when our lives feel discombobulated and confusing and direction isn't coming naturally, light guides us. Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't have the truth. So what is this darkness? He clarifies it right here. It's sin. It's living our ways in any way outside of what he designed in this book. And we wonder why we have a hard time finding purpose. We wonder why we have a hard time finding fulfillment and joy. Well, could it be that we're like, okay, well, that sounds good, but I still want to do this. I'm still going to live like this. Could it be that us choosing to do that, we are choosing to avoid the very source of light, purpose, hope, security? Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship or closeness with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. God does not abandon us. He doesn't go, okay, well, there, you know, good luck there. You know, good luck, you know, you don't have a light and you're trying to do this in the garage. You're trying to navigate your life. You're going, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Why, why do I exist? What does God want me to do with my life? And especially when we hit those hard waters, the depression, anxiety, the bad news, there has to be more than that. If that's it, guys, and this, and this is what I tell the students all the time. I'm like, guys, look out here. Look at the world around you. Watch the news. I don't care what channel you turn it to. Maybe we shouldn't watch the news. I don't know, but is that it? Is that it? Is that the source of hope and purpose? Because if that's it, man, I don't, I'm not, I'm not about that. He doesn't abandon us in the darkness and difficulty, in, even when we choose to live our lives away from how Scripture asks us to live. Even when we choose to go, you know what, God, yeah, I see, I see this source over here. I'm just going to go do my own thing. And I'll be the first one to raise my hand that I've done that as well. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Guys, if we claim to be like, you know what, I got this. I got this. We're deceiving ourselves. No, we don't. Don't kid yourself. You think you just go find all the meaning and purpose and joy in your life? If it was that easy, we would have done it already. But if we confess our sins, as verse 9 says, he is faithful and just and will forgive everything, purifying us. So how do we prevent, how do we prevent this? 
We come to Jesus. We bring the darkness into the light. We approach the light. We see it from a distance. Maybe our lives are dark. Maybe we're surrounded with hopelessness. Maybe we've gotten bad news and it's just dark everywhere. Well, guess what? Jesus is that light going, I'm here, I'm present, I'm always on, I'm waiting for you to come back. Who told you that you can do it all on your own? Who encouraged you that you can just do it all on your own? It wasn't Jesus. He goes, no, 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 I don't expect you to figure it out all on your own. That's why I'm here. He doesn't suggest we travel the world seeking the truth. He suggests simply to realign our sight on the source of light. There is one source. Verse 10 says, if we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Basically, we reject him and his word. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you're currently doing that. Maybe you remember a time where you've done that. I've had moments where I've done that. Moments where, you know what, this just sounds good. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go find joy and happiness on my own. And we just simply stay in the darkness. Maybe there is something short-term, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. Because maybe in your minds you're going, wait, I've experienced some joy and happiness not in the Bible. I'm going to get to that in just a second. Because you can. But what, Jesus, what John is doing here is going, man, look at this. There's a source of light. There's a source of hope for you. In fact, a commentator that I was reading and studying this provides a bigger picture of clarity, I think, for us. His name's Henry Alford, and he says this, Walking in the light as he is in the light is no mere imitation of God, but an identity in the essential element of our daily walk with the essential element of God's eternal being. It's not just going, okay, do all the right things and blah, 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 X, Y, Z. No. This is inviting us in on a larger purpose, an essential element of God's eternal being. Could it be that we could start to experience some sort of heavenly, unexplainable joy here? That if the world were to just look at it and go, the world looks at my life the last couple years, there's really no, what's the point? There's no purpose of joy there. There's no source of joy there. How can, you, how can you be happy? How can you find hope? Or could it be that God has invited you and me into, some, into an experience that he has planned for us and goes, hey, this is how I designed it. I designed you to come to the light. I designed you to be with me, to not try it over and over and over again on your own. God offers us a glimpse at an experience. He's promised those who trust him. And you may say, I can find happiness and joy in other places. To that I say, yeah, see, you can. You're like, wait a minute, that's Dan, why did you say that? No, the author of Ecclesiastes makes it very clear. If you don't know Ecclesiastes, he's a, um, potentially, uh, potentially King Solomon, but we don't know this. He's a teacher, he's a very wise person. 
But he's, he, he, he searches all, he has everything. He can do whatever he wants. He's super wealthy. He spares no expense in any earthly experience. And he's trying to find out the point. Like, what's the whole point in all this? I don't find meaning here. I don't find fulfillment here. And he says this, Ecclesiastes 2, verses 24 to 25. It says, a person can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their own toil. Guys, I can speak for a fact. When I bite into a beautiful slice of pizza, it takes me to my very happy place. Or as the students would tell you, when I drive home late night at, after Thursday meetings, those carne asada fries, you guys, oh, oh. See, joy and happiness can be experienced here. There's joy in the labor. We're designed to work. There's purpose there. Fulfilling accomplishments. It can bring joy. God designed us to work, to hate challenges ahead of us. Let's go fix them. There can be joy there. Will it last is my question. Or will, see, will you simply get to this point and then want more? See, that's what a lot of people do. If that's the whole picture there, you're going to get to one point and go, oh, I've done this and now I just want more. Or I go, I eat my carne asada fries and I'm going, oh man, I just ate too much. If that's the whole point, just eating a good meal, is this the big picture? The author of Ecclesiastes says this. He says, this too I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? There may be something temporal there. But is it going to last? If we're not drawn to this source of light, is it really going to last? Only connected to the source are we able to truly tap into our God-given purpose and direction. Jesus himself highlighted a bunch of these. So up to this point, this has been John talking. But John wrote a couple books in the Bible. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He also wrote the Gospel of John, or the Good News according to John. And he also wrote Revelation 2, but that comes later. And what he does in the Gospel of John is interesting. You said, see, Jesus said a lot of these I am statements. He claimed to be a lot of different things. Jesus said them. John chooses to highlight them. See, this is important for us to remember about Scripture. When John talks about Jesus and what he said, he doesn't talk about everything Jesus said. In fact, at the end, he's like, man, if I, if I talked about all the different stories, it would fill up rooms and rooms and rooms. So something about these words that Jesus said stuck out, stood out to John. And he goes, these are important. I'm going to write these down. Jesus said these, John chose to highlight them. You guys will maybe remember a lot of these, but Jesus says, these are a bunch of I am statements as they're highlighted. In fact, JP led us through a series of I ams a while ago, if you, re if you recall. But he goes, I am the bread of life. I am the sustenance and nutrition for living. I am this, I'm what you need a day to day. He says, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus protects his followers as, shepherd, as shepherds protect their flocks from predators. I am the resurrection and the life. Death is not final. Death is not the final word for those who believe in Jesus. 
This is the darkness we're talking about. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is committed to caring and watching over those who are his. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the source of all truth, knowledge. I'm the true vine. By attaching ourselves to Christ, by tapping into his branch, where we are to experience this life and to flow it through us. I am the light of the world, he says. To a world lost in darkness, Christ offers himself as a guide. And so now I circle back again. Joy. Guys, even in, um, even in preparing this, uh, uh, me crying is nothing new. Just putting that out there. Um, I cried a bunch. Because even I look at this and I'm like, I don't even know how I'm able to get up here and talk about this. I really don't know. Unless I've tapped into a source of joy that really can't be explained. I really have nothing else for you guys. It's not it's nothing I can really explain. I can't go, hey, do this, 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 and life is going to be, you know, great for forever. Or maybe when you experience your hardships on your own, I, my heart goes out, and I'm like, man, I look at some of the things I did, but that might not be what you have to do. What is consistent, though, wherever you are this morning, is it an opportunity to connect with the source that when our, when our phone batteries remind us, hey, the battery's almost out. This is dying. If you don't do something quick, it's going to power off. Maybe, maybe there's these warning signs in your life going, man, my joy is getting depleted. My purpose is getting depleted. And you're, you're experiencing these warning signs, and you have a choice to either tap back into that source or to go, you know what? I got this. I'm just going to keep scrolling. I'm going to keep doing my thing. Well, that doesn't last very long until it dies. It crashes. What Jesus offers you guys is like, no, 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 no. Please, please, please. Everything out there, life outside my word, is just going to lead to a crash. Please don't. And I say this, you guys, and John talks about Jesus in this, this unique way. He doesn't just do this randomly. You see, Jesus himself was, he was, the, he was the ultimate source and the example. See, Jesus, Jesus somehow experienced a joy in his most difficult times as well. And he didn't choose to go on begrudgingly. He refocused, recentered himself, reconnected to his source, who was his father, and goes, okay. In fact, in Hebrews 12, it says this. This, this comes after this whole list of this whole list of people who've had incredible faith and how we should follow in their example. The author of Hebrews says this, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on the source, fixing our eyes on the light when we're surrounded by darkness, the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy 
set before him. He endured the cross, cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy set before him, the joy of the cross, the joy of suffering, not that those experiences are joyful, and that's important for us to identify. Your experience may not be joyful. There's nothing joyful about, my, about what I've been through. That's not joy. That's not happy. It's dark. It's sad. It's depressing. It can be hopeless at times. That is not joy. But the joy what was what was coming. The joy was coming and reconnecting to the source, knowing that he's going to spend eternity with the Father. Knowing that his death is not the big picture. Knowing that the suffering and the mundane and the, and the depression and the anxiety and the loss and the grief, this is not it. This is not forever. Verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus. Which leads me to my final phrase. I really want you guys to think about this. See, maybe he doesn't want me to explain it. Maybe he doesn't want you to just be able to explain the do's and don'ts. Perhaps Jesus just wants you to experience it for yourself. And this is the invitation. The invitation to experience joy. The invitation to experience purpose. The invitation to experience something more than just that. Would you consider this source? Would you consider it? This Jesus guy that we talk about in Scripture, he's not made up. John highlights that. He identified himself as the source of purpose, hope, all these good things. And for us today, joy. How can you be joyful coming out of COVID? I don't know, but I am because I'm connected to this. I can't explain it all the time. And no, no guys, I I'm not going to pretend like I wake up every day like, do 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 Sometimes it's hard and I have to be reminded, no, I got to go back. I got to go back. I got to go back because my life experience tells me I don't find it anywhere else. I find it here. So would you consider this source? As we, we're going to get ready for communion here, you guys, which is our reminder. But I what I want you to think about today as we take communion, as you take the bread and the juice, I want to ask you to think about joy at the same time. Now, this seems odd, because I think a lot of times, I, I, I personally do this, like, I get very somber and like, oh, like the sacrifice and, and, you know, what he did on the cross and all that is so, so true and real. But remember, the experience itself was not joyful for Jesus, but what? For the joy set before. Jesus joyfully went to the cross, joyfully stepped into our world of darkness, joyfully brought light and purpose and hope when he knew we weren't going to find it anywhere else. Would you consider this source?
would you consider this guy Jesus? I haven't lived anywhere close to a perfect life, you guys. And I know I'm not too from here on out. But what helps me get up every day is knowing that I have an opportunity, regardless of what the day before offered or what I did and the dumb decisions that I probably made yesterday, I can reconnect to this source. And I can go, oh yeah, that's right, this isn't it. <laughs> My Instagram feed isn't it. My Facebook feed isn't it. Thank the Lord. Everything out there isn't it. This is it. Would you consider this source? Let's pray. God, thank you for working in the life of John. Thank you for sending us and guiding us and providing a source of light and hope. God, help us wherever we are at today. We could be potentially resistant, go, nope, I, I want to do this on my own. I got my, I can do it. I can take care of it. God, I pray that we would soften each of our hearts. We all get that, like that. We're not going to pretend to lie about those things. But you've offered yourself as a source of hope and light, of purpose, of direction, of clarity, of security. God, I pray that each of us would see that reality and run to it. Run to that light like as a 10-year-old, I ran back to the house in the scary darkness. Why? Because the light was the source. You are the source. When our lives get difficult and messy, you are the source. Praise in Jesus' name.